many knows God's greater? I said God's greater. He's greater than any situation, any infirmity, any struggle, any trial that I ever have to go through. God is greater than those things. And I'm thankful today, uh, by the grace of God and through the power of the Holy Spirit, that, that we are here. And let's look at Genesis chapter number 30. And I want to read just a few verses. Now, I want you to, to be ready. I'm not sure, and, and I say this because I'm always seeking the Lord about the messages that I'm here to preach here at Gospel Lighthouse. I don't believe in canned messages. Uh, I, I believe I need to seek the Lord. And, and so this is what I'm doing. So as I was preparing the thoughts and as God was ministering to me along these lines that I'm getting ready to talk to you about, this message went several different directions. Okay, and I really had to fasten my seatbelt for where I was at and what the Lord was doing. So, okay, just I want you to just uh, be ready. This is a little different than what I'm used to preaching, okay, and how I preach. All right, so just, just be ready for it today. Genesis chapter number 30, let's look at verses 22 to 24. Genesis chapter 30, verses 22 to 24. If you have it, say amen. And God remembered Rachel, and God hearkened to her, and opened her womb. And she conceived, and bare a son, and said, God hath taken away my reproach. And she called his name Joseph, and said, The Lord shall add to me another son. I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to have several scripture verses along the way that you can tag and kind of go back and reflect upon. But I simply titled the message today, The Joseph Generation. The Joseph Generation, we've talked in several weeks past about the Joshua Generation. We're now talking about the Joseph Generation. How many is ready to receive today? Amen. Let's lift our hands up toward heaven. Let's open up our hearts and ask God to, to give us and allow us to receive everything that He has for us today. Father, we come before You in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we are here to glean from You. We're here to learn from You. We're here to listen to what the Spirit is saying unto the church of God right now. Lord, we believe that we are a part of the Joshua generation, but moreover, we're part of the Joseph generation. So Lord, right now, we, pr we pray that, that You would... Uh, minister to hearts and lives, that the Word of God would leap off the page into our hearts. You must increase, and I must decrease. And everybody in the church body said, Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, the Joshua generation. Look at your other neighbor and say, the Joseph generation. The Joseph generation. So we talked about the Joshua generation several weeks back. Now we're going to talk about the Joseph generation. Very important about what we're going to minister along the lines of today. Okay? The pages of this Bible are filled with God using people with difficult and even dark past. Amen? Nearly every story in this Bible contains one common thread. Whether the character is a king or a queen, a prophet or a preacher, a fisherman or a foe, nearly, nearly every person mentioned in the Bible has his or her dark side revealed. Amen? Noah got drunk. 
How many remembers the story? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all lied to save their own hides. Moses committed murder. David was guilty of adultery. Rahab was a harlot. Solomon was an idolater. Peter was cursed, and, and, and Peter cursed God, and he even lied unto the Lord. John the Baptist and Thomas doubted Jesus, and Saul was a murderer, just to name a few. The list could go on and on all throughout the Scriptures of people that struggled with some deep, dark past. The Bible is filled with these type of people. The verses that I read to you today introduce us to a man by the name of Joseph. He was the 11th son of the patriarch Jacob, you understand. His name means Jehovah has added. Jehovah has added. He lived 110 years old and there is not a single sin attributed to this man's name. We're talking about Joseph. He endured trials and afflictions that most of us cannot even imagine. And nowhere in the Bible does it even give a hint that his faith in God ever wavered. He never seemed to get his eyes off the Lord. Whether he was in uh, the place or in a place of favor uh, or he was in a, a situation, whether that be in his father's house or whether he was being falsely accused in prison, he was the same man. Everywhere he went, there was consistency with his walk with the Lord. Can I tell you, everywhere you go, there you should go also. You should be the, you should be the same person every place that you go. You shouldn't morph into something depending on the crowd that you hang around. You shouldn't all of a sudden turn into a particular type of person, whether that's spiritual or whether that's worldly, depending on the atmosphere that you're in. You should remain who you are in God all the time in all places. Amen? So we see here that whether Joseph was in his father's house, or whether he was being falsely accused in prison, he was the same man. Hardship did not harden his heart. Riches and power did not corrupt him. He held fast to his integrity. He was the same man regardless of the circumstances in which he found himself. And Joseph was, was truly a unique man. Life seemingly could not break him. His character is to be coveted and his steadfastness is to be studied. Whatsoever state he found himself, therewith he was content. Whether he was abased, whether he was in a place of lack, or whether he was abounding and had it all, in all things he found himself he was in a place of contentment. And perhaps this is why the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit gives Joseph so much space in the book of Genesis. Now we only read a few scriptures today, but he receives the same number of chapters as Abraham. 14 chapters. Yet there are 25% more verses dedicated to Joseph's life. He was a great man of God. Another characteristic that marks Joseph's life is the number of areas where he pictures the Lord Jesus Christ. He is a type and shadow of our Savior. And as you study his life, you encounter over 100 particular points, which we don't have time to go into today, where Joseph is a type of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. 
And besides being a godly man and a type of Jesus, uh, the study of Joseph's life is valuable because he stands as a model of what every believer should strive to be. He never wavered. He never failed. He never complained. He never compromised. He, he never lost his power with God. He stood his ground for the glory of God in many terrible situations. His life demonstrates the triumph of faith. And it's a reminder that with God, I am nothing, but with God, I am everything. Without God, I am nothing. I cannot contribute to this life. I can't endure anything, but with God, I can endure and go through anything that this life has to offer. That this life has to push my direction. So beyond all of that, one of the greatest aspects of Joseph's life is how clearly the hand of God is seen upon his life. The providence of God is on display throughout the narrative of Joseph's life. In every event in the life of Joseph, from the pit to the palace, God was fulfilling the scripture verse out of Romans 8.28. And that scripture verse goes as this, For we know, look at your neighbor and say, For we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of them that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. His whole life was revolved around that verse. Okay? Our lives as Christians, as believers, must be revolved around that verse. Everything he endured, though God may not have been the initiator, God was the propagator. It became a training ground that produced good fruit in his life. How many knows you've got to, you've got to train up? You don't just all of a sudden wake up one day and have good fruit. You've got to go through some trials in life. You've got to go through some trouble in life. You've got to go through some issues, some bad stuff that happens to you. And you scratch your head and you say, I can't. Why did I have to go through that? It's a training ground for where God wants to take you in life. It's a training ground for the testimony that God wants to put upon your lips. So the outcome of Joseph's life can be summed up in Genesis chapter number 50. And this could become a series. I don't really know. Pray for me sometimes. I, I, I stay up late. I'm trying to figure out what the Lord is saying. This could be a series. But for today, it's just going to be a one-off message. But his life, Joseph's life, can be summed up in Genesis chapter number 50, verse number 20. It goes as such. But as for you, you thought, he's talking to his brothers here now. After all the trials that happened, after all the situations, after the pits, after the, the palace, after the prison, all of these things that had come into his life that seemed like a series of terrible events, he's saying, but as for you, talking to his brothers, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. He said, God meant what you brought for evil and God turned it around and God meant it for the good in my life. How many can say that you've seen some bad situations come your way, but you're already seeing God take that bad situation and turn it around for the good? Amen. So that's where Joseph is at. And we can apply these things to our life. We can apply this steadfastness. We can apply the fact that he never wavered in his faith. Why? Because his hope was in the Lord. He wasn't looking around trying to figure out what, how am I going to get out? He knew God was his provider. He knew God was his source. He knew God was his strength. 
He knew God was his ever-present help in time of trouble. And when you settle that very one fact, you don't question about anything else. When you settle that God is the one on the throne, and that God is the one that, that allows particular things to happen in your life, when God is the propagator, when God may not have been the initiator, but God works all these things out, then you all of a sudden see things through life differently. You don't look at things and say, you know what, I'm really going through a bad situation right now. You look at it and you say, how's God going to work this out for good? God meant it for the good, he said in Genesis chapter number 50. So every situation, every circumstance in life, whether you see it as good or evil, and, and use it, it to make it can use it to make us stronger in our walk with Him. And I want you to understand that there is an all-powerful, all-knowing God working behind the scenes on your behalf in your life to bring you to a place of Christian maturity. He's looking to bring you to a place of full maturation. We can't stay on the milk forever. Right? How many parents are thankful that that child did not stay on that bottle forever? That you didn't have to continue to purchase that formula? At some point, we as believers have to come to a place of full maturation. We have to come to a place where we're no longer on the, on the milk of the Word, but we're on the meat of the Word, and we're allowing God to feed us such. I don't know about you, but I want to grow maturely in this walk with God that I have. I want to mature in everything that I've got. So God meant it for the good. People can mean it for evil, but God can turn those things around for the good. Okay, now I'm about to shift gears. Look at your neighbor and say, he's going to shift gears. <clears throat> now we hear a lot in our day about dysfunctional homes. Right? I realize that, that many homes are in turmoil today. Divorce is running rampant. Drugs and alcohol and absentee parents. No structure. No discipline. Just to name a few that have left the modern home in duress. And in a place of even distress. In many cases it seems that children growing up today do not even stand a chance. Okay? And we are told that we are a product of our environment. We are told that our background shapes our lives to such a degree that, that how we are raised will determine how we will live. To a certain degree, we are all products of our upbringing. We bring with us certain traits. We bring with us certain habits and characteristics from our homes in which that we were raised up in. Joseph blows this theory out of the water. Before Joseph was thrown into a pit, before he served as a slave in Potiphar's house, before he languished in the prison, before he stood before Pharaoh as prime minister of Egypt, Joseph spent his formative years in a home marked by sin, marked by sadness, marked by strife, and marked by struggles. Yet Joseph became a great man of God and was used of the Lord in tremendous ways. So your background does not determine your blessing. Your background does not determine your blessing where God is taking you. 
So I, I want to examine the early years of Joseph's life. I want to talk about those formative years that could have formed a boy into an evil man. I want you to see that God overcame Joseph's family. I said God overcame Joseph's family. He overcame his upbringing and all the negative influences that he faced. His beginnings did not dictate his outcome. The beginnings of his life, how things went, did not dictate his outcome. You don't have to be a product of your misfortunes. You don't have to be a product of your environment. Whether you are born again into the kingdom of God. Listen, when we are born again into the kingdom of God, you take on the heart of the king and you take on the very nature of your father. That's why it's important to be born again of the spirit, according to John 3 and 3. You can't live this life if you're not born again the way God wants you to. You cannot endure what life is coming and things that are going to come like a 90 or 100 mile an hour fastball your direction if you're not born again of the Spirit. You're not going to see them through the eyes of God. You're not going to see that thing through the Spirit of God. So you have to change your very nature. That being born again of the Spirit, repenting of your sins, believing the gospel, and being raised to the newness of life. You must be of your father God and not of your father the devil. Your father has to be on the throne of your heart or you are going to mess up royally. Somebody say amen. And you may not have had the best beginning, but you control where you are headed. See, we want to say... This is the generation we live in, okay? Because I hear this all the time in the school system, and I hear this amongst people that, that, that try to gather their head around God. Well, the Lord's going to direct me. True. But number one, the question is, are we listening? The other fact is, we think God's going to do everything for us. We live in a generation that thinks God's just going to pour out the blessing and we don't have to have any sort of sacrifice and life is just always going to be great and life is just always going to be grandiose and I'm never going to go through trials and I'm never going to struggle in life. Listen, life is going to be tough and it's going to be hard at times. It's going to be very difficult. But you are controlled. You are in control of where you are headed. You control your attitude and your outlook along the way. Don't allow life to make you bitter. Don't allow life to make you angry. Don't allow life, and th this, is, this is something the Lord, years ago when I was going through several situations, the Lord was reminding me that there's going to come a day when I need you to be informed. I need you to be in a place where your heart is soft and you can't allow it to get bitter and get insensitive in your youth to where I cannot use you in your older years. So we got to remain in a place where we don't get bitter, we don't get angry, we don't get insensitive, we don't get hard, we don't get uh, unforgiving, we don't become a victim of our circumstances. Let life, listen, let life be a schoolmaster that takes you through every season of learning and gleaning and growing in your walk with God. Let everything be a schoolmaster to you. Life can seem unfair and even seem unfavorable to you. And the devil will tell you that, that you'll never make it. And life is useless and life is meaningless. And 
He just simply will try to put it in our thoughts and our minds to quit and to give up. And there's no reason to care. I'm a product of my environment. But listen, I'm here to tell you today that the devil is a liar. And you can rise above that obstacle that is in front of you or was once in front of you. Why? Because God meant it for your good. We got to understand that everything has to first come across God's desk. And I want you to see that nothing in, jo in jo uh, uh, Joseph's life is easy, but every season was obtainable. Every season was obtainable. Great difficulties will often produce great destinations. So if you're going through a catastrophic thing, if you're going through a great difficulty, that oftentimes will, will determine where your destiny is. You've got a great destiny on the horizon. So the more problems you endure, if you receive them rightly, the more power you will, be, you will produce along the way via the power of the Holy Spirit. So we see this miracle of Joseph's birth. Okay, number one, I've just got two short points today. We see this miracle of Joseph's birth. Number one, we see the testimony of his birth. The testimony. Look at your neighbor and say the testimony. The testimony of his birth. Now, this is, fasten your seatbelt for just a few moments because this is a really convoluted mess in Genesis. His whole life came about in a, an extreme mess of a situation, okay? Joseph was born into a family that embroiled into the midst, listen, in the midst of controversy, his whole life was about controversy. His father, Jacob, his name literally meant trickster. He fell in love with his cousin, a lady named Rachel. Okay, I'm going to take it slow because I know there's a lot here. And agreed to work for his father Laban or for her father Laban, who also was Jacob's uncle for seven years. You read about this in Genesis chapter number 29, verse number 18. The deal was struck, and after seven years, the wedding day arrived. Okay? Laban had two daughters, Leah and Rachel. Look at your neighbor and say Leah and Rachel. Leah was the oldest. Okay? Rachel was the youngest, but the Bible said she was the most attractive. This is what the Bible states. This isn't Tim's words. This is the Bible, okay? The Bible states that she was the more attractive sister, okay? And on the evening of their wedding, Uncle Laban tricked the trickster and sent his eldest daughter Leah to Jacob's tent instead of Rachel. In Genesis chapter number 29, verse number 23. Okay? Jacob spent his wedding night with Leah, the wrong woman. And in the morning discovers the trick, according to Genesis 29 and 25. Jacob confronts Laban and agrees to let Jacob have Rachel in exchange for seven more years of work. Okay? You see this in Genesis 29, verses 27 and 28. But he didn't have to wait seven years to marry Rachel. This happened within one week. And you see this, and I can't go into that now, but you see this in Genesis 29, verses 27 through 30. So within one week, Jacob 
has two young wives. These two wives are sisters. The story just keeps getting crazier, okay? Jacob clearly loves Rachel more than he does Leah. You read that in Genesis 29 and 30. And this sets the stage for jealousy, as you can imagine, bitterness, and anger. And it isn't long before Leah gets pregnant, not once, but four times. Okay? She gives Jacob four sons. She gives them, this, this is what ultimately ends up being the 12 tribes of Israel. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. One after another. You read that in Genesis 29, verses 32 through 35. And in the process of all of this happening, Leah's having these children, one after another, Rachel comes unglued. And the worst thing that could happen to a woman in those days was to be childless. They could not conceive a child. So they were thought to be cursed. So she takes matters into her own hands and gives Jacob her handmaid. Okay? To have children in her place. And you see this in Genesis chapter number 30, verses 1 through 4. Okay? She has, the handmaid has two sons. Dan and Naphtali. Again, a part of the 12 tribes of Israel. You see this in Genesis 30, verses 5 through 8. Leah sees this and knows that she isn't having children, so she gives her handmaid. She's deciding, you know what? You can do that, so I can do it too. So now you've got four women that are involved here. Her handmaid, she's given to Jacob, and then he has children by her. You see this in Genesis 30, verses 9. She has two sons, Gad and Asher. You read that in Genesis 30, verses 10 through 13. And after a time, Leah has three more children by Jacob, Issachar, Zebulun, and a daughter named Dinah. You read this in Genesis 30, verses 17 through 21. Is anybody confused yet? Now Jacob has ten sons and a daughter. But his beloved wife Rachel is still barren. Okay? However, God is in, in his providence. Here's Rachel's plea. Here's Rachel's cry for a son. And then we see in Genesis chapter number 30 where Joseph is born. Where we just read from the text just a few moments ago. Joseph's birth is a testimony in itself because God opened a barren womb to bring him into this world. He was born because of divine intervention. Amen. Joseph was born in a time of turmoil, in a time of jealousy, in a time of confusion, in a time of strife, in a time of hate, in a time of anarchy. Things were a mess. Look at your neighbor and say they were a mess. Look at your neighbor and say, they are a mess. Which makes the outcome of the story and the testimony all the better. We don't embrace craziness, but we can rise above the craziness. And this is where Joseph is at. So number two, I want you to take this down. We see the timing of his birth. And then I'm about to shift gears again here in a moment. Joseph was the 11th son born to Jacob. 
Reuben was Jacob's firstborn. And from all outward appearances, Joseph entered this life at a disadvantage. Ever felt that way? It did not appear that there was, there was much hope for his future in his family. He would always be the low man on the totem pole being bossed around and picked on by others. He was always going to be the victim of his circumstances, finding himself in a series of unfortunate events. So the timing of his birth could not have been worse from a human perspective. But here's what changed the whole story. You remember the title of the message last week? Or the, the thrust, if you will, the theme of the message last week. This is not how the story is going to end. I want you to hear the second part of another man by the name of Joseph of how this is not how his story is going to end. We see in Genesis chapter number 39, it says, but the Lord was with Joseph. You heard all the tragedy thus far. You heard all the chaos, you heard all the confusion, but the Bible says the Lord was with Joseph and he prospered and he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. He prospered. He prospered in the things of the Lord. And I want to say, according to Romans 8, 31, if God be for you, who can be against you? If life seems to be against you today, just look at stories in the Bible that will help to build your faith and realize, listen, what God and what people mean as a setback, God can take and use that as a setup to get you to your blessing. And so God takes a man in Genesis chapter number 30 where he, he prospers him and he lived in the house of the Egyptian master and what the enemy meant for evil. God turned it around for the good. Now, I was going to go a totally different direction with this whole message yesterday, but the Lord began to pour into my spirit. So I'm about to shift gears again. Look at your neighbor and say, Pastor's about to shift gears. Hang on. Fasten your seatbelt. God gave me this in rare form, okay? And he helped me to tie all this together because he was downloading in this into my spirit so fast that there's really not any chronological order to anything that I'm about to give you. So please just bear with me today, okay? So all of this that we read about in Genesis chapter number 30 is a picture of where we are right now in society. Okay, not where we are headed, but where we are. You say, what are you talking about, Pastor? Everything is seemingly out of control. Everything is out of control, right? And some of you may think, uh, I grew up in the wrong era. Have you ever thought that before, that you grew up in the wrong era, that you grew up in the wrong generation? I feel like I'm this, this, this old soul. I feel like I should have been born in like the 20s or something. I, I just feel like I was born in the wrong era. I, we've all felt that at some point in our life that we were built or born in the wrong era or the wrong generation. But that's not true. Okay? God has called you to the kingdom for such a time as this. If you look around you, chaos is everywhere. Morality is at an all-time low. People can identify with anything that they want to today except a Christian, and for that they will be mocked and they will be persecuted. Madness is everywhere. 
Parents are being asked at the birth of their child, what do you want, quote, they or them to identify as? It's no longer male or female, but what do you choose to identify with? This is true story. Masculinity is under attack. Men are participating in women's sports and women are being looked down upon for their femininity. It's a slap in the face to our creator who made them male and female. Cross-dressers are getting story time with our children in elementary schools. Teachers are being mentally and physically abused with little repercussion and low incomes. Students have no regard for authority and in some cases are bullying the teachers and staff knowing that there will be no consequences for their actions. The LGBTQ agenda, agenda is plastered all over the walls of our schools. And meanwhile, the Christian students are being told not to talk about their faith. Pastors and leaders have come out of the closet and are identifying as gay and lesbian. Oh, I'm coming. Some pastors are teaching the gospel as being an old and ancient and, and we need to put a new spin on this thing. We need to put a better spin on it and make it more acceptable to this generation. I heard a pastor say that this last week. One pastor this last week said, I'm tired of preaching about Jesus getting up out of the grave. This was his words. I'm tired of preaching about Jesus getting up out of the grave. It's old news. Well, if he didn't get up out of the grave, we're still in our sins today. He doesn't even understand the basics of Christianity, but yet he is provocating and teaching the people these very things. We wonder why we live in such a state of confusion in our generation. Our schools have been hijacked by liberal thinkers indoctrinating our kids and keeping them in a state of confusion. Those writing the school system's curriculum are, a, are as godless as you can get. I remember sitting down with my brother one time and he was talking to me. He, he, had, went to, uh, he had went to this, uh, uh, this institute and he, he ran into this particular professor. And this professor worked, just so happened to be, at Oak Park High School where I worked. He was a science teacher. And he was writing curriculum for the school district. He was writing curriculum and he was writing all about evolution. And he told, he told my brother Robert, he said, I'm a born again believer. And he said, how can you write such stuff that you don't even believe? And the man never really gave him a sufficient answer. Can I tell you, we need people in high authorities today that will stand upon God's principles regardless of how popular it is. You know, people are more concerned about paychecks today and about popularity than verses about what God's word says. And this man was writing school curriculum and he was writing this godless curriculum. Listen, rules are up for debate today. Laws are under attack. The spirit of Antichrist is everywhere. Wrong has been called right. Right has been called wrong. They call evil good and good evil. If you stand for traditional values like, quote, the marriage or, or, or the family, you are pushed back and you're held back and you're called a hater and you're called intolerant. Everyone gets a voice and a say-so. And no matter how crazy and deranged you are, you get a voice. Can I tell you, there's too many crazy people speaking out for the elect. We've got 2% of society speaking out for believers. We need to rise to the occasion.
Everyone gets a vote, legal or not, fair or unfair. The American dollar, you understand, is being devalued. And we are headed towards a one-world currency. Inflation is out of control. We just paid $3.39 for gas. It's continuing to soar. Families are downsizing and consolidating, trying to keep up with, with all of these added costs. Healthcare is out of control. Sickness is widespread. Confusion and chaos is everywhere. Moral confusion, sexual confusion, gender confusion, led by the author of confusion, that being Satan. So here's what I'm about to say. We need the Joseph generation to stand up. We need the Joseph generation, a generation that refuses, listen, that refuses to complain, but just keeps walking with God and keeps trusting God. Not complaining about everything on social media, about what's going on in society. Just keep trusting God, keep walking with God, keep standing up for God. We need a Joshua and we need a Joseph generation to stand in the gap, protecting your spirit from bitterness and from anger. Because I don't know about you, but these things tend to raise my blood pressure just a tad. And I need help like everybody else. And I believe, beloved, we are seeing all of these things come to pass. Why? Because the coming of the Lord is near unto us. We read in Luke chapter number 21, verse 28, and when these things begin to come to pass, some of these things that I just read about, then look up and lift your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. The Lord is coming back for His church. And just like Joseph, listen, you've got to know what you believe. You've got to know what you believe. You've got to know why you believe it. And you've got to know where your help comes from. So I refuse to be another product of this culture. I refuse to be led like a sheep to the slaughter. I refuse to live in a place of defeat. I refuse to live with a bad spirit. I refuse to live under those rules. I am victorious through Christ Jesus. And we can overcome what this world... I'm not going to complain. Why? Because God meant it for good. The darker this world gets, the brighter our light must shine. And we are in a dark time right now. We are in a dark generation right now. Joseph's... Listen, his faith never wavered. He never complained. He kept a good spirit. He kept a gentleness about himself. He walked in integrity. And the Lord in the end rewarded him. Okay? And some of you in this room should not be where that you are right now. The devil thought that he, he had you a long time ago. You would have collapsed underneath of the weight of that thing a long time ago had it not been for God keeping you. He kept you under the weight of that thing. He kept you in peace whose mind is stayed upon the Lord. He kept you in with a godly spirit. And the Lord, here's the thing, the Lord is now rewarding you. He's rewarding you. So Joseph, Joseph, Joseph means what? What does Joseph mean? His father Jacob, his name meant trickster. I mean, knows you don't have to follow after you don't, you don't have to follow after the ways of your descendants. You don't have to follow after that. Joseph means, listen to this, 
Joseph means Jehovah has added. Has added. What did he add, Pastor? What was it that God added to Joseph? Think about it for just a moment. What did he add? He added everything that he needed along the way to get him through his difficult situations. What did he add? Whatever he needed. So what were those things? Well, if he needed strength, God added strength to him. If he needed love, God added some love to the equation. If he needed more patience, how many knows in the prison you're going to need some patience? In the pit, you're going to need some patience. Even in the house, the palace, where, where uh, Potiphar's wife was trying to go, he's going to need some patience in those times. God added to him what he needed. He added gentleness. He added joy. He added kindness. He added favor. He added finances. He added wisdom. He added steadfastness. And he added above all of that, he was the second guy in command. He added position. God will supply all that you need till the rapture takes place. That's what I'm saying about right now where we live. In a place of calamity. In a place that seems lost. In a place of confusion. Confusion, chaos everywhere. Do we know that God is not the author of confusion? Do we not realize that there is an antichrist spirit that's running rampant, that's creating confusion in the minds of everybody now to where you talk to some 40-year-old people and they're like, well, I don't really know about my gender. It's whatever I want to identify with. Since when has that ever been a thing? See, what's happening in society is we are rewriting the rules. Chaos is everywhere. A different situation that we read about in Genesis chapter number 30. He was in a chaotic home, a chaotic mess. He grew up around it. But listen, we're in a chaotic culture. Yeah. And God's saying that he needs some Josephs in this generation that rise up in this generation that will still have a spirit of steadfastness, that has a spirit of joy upon you, that has a spirit of patience. You're going to have to be patient in this hour. And he's going to give you fair. God will supply all that you need until the rapture comes. Listen, you've got to have in this hour, which I believe is the final hour we're living, you've got to have the spirit of a finisher. It's not who starts the race, it's who finishes. He that endures to the end shall be saved. We've got to finish well. And I don't know about you, but I'm looking for his coming. But before his coming, I'm looking forward to the rapture of the church. I'm looking forward to the Lord calling us home. I'm looking forward to being in a better place. But until now, until that happens, I have to now occupy on this earth. Occupy till he comes. Get about the master's business. Get doing what God has called you to do in this hour. Don't wait another day. Don't let the devil trick you into something different and something else. Don't let him send your mind down a different pathway. Don't let him think that you got more years than you, that you actually got. Stop, stop going after things that are meaningless today. Stop going after things that, that, don't, that are not after the heart of God. And listen, you've got to have a spirit of a finisher because I'm believing today that before, listen, before we say amen and finish out this service, the Lord can come back for His church. 
1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17 says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then they which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet him in the Lord in the air, and those shall ever be with the Lord in heaven. I'm thankful today that though we're in a dark generation, that this generation potentially could see him face to face. The darker the situation, the greater the blessing. No matter what comes your way, and you say, every think about it for a moment, pe people of God. I've got to allow, I've got to get your attention for just a few moments. Your attention needs to be set on the coming of the Lord. If it does, your life will walk it out. If you take your eyes off God, everything else will be pleasing unto you. You will try to please the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Everything else, you will go after money and you'll go after women and you'll go after men and you'll go after all kinds of different stuff that is meaningless in life. But if you can see that the coming of the Lord is near, you keep your eyes like a flint set upon Him. And don't drift to the right hand or to the left. God can keep you to the end and you don't have to waver. See, we live in a generation that says you can just live sloppy and you can do however you want and God will still give you grace. He can and will give you grace. But listen, I don't believe in sloppy Christianity. I didn't get a single amen. Because we live in a generation that expects grace on everything. We believe it's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is to ask for permission. And so we think to ourselves, I can do this thing, but yet God will forgive me anyway. No, 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 no. That's not how we operate. Because when you seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, when you think to yourself as a kingdom individual, when you want to, uh, when you want to serve the king of your life, Listen, I don't want to do anything that's going to be outside of the realm of his policies. I want to obey the king in everything that I do. It doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. But listen, that is no excuse to live a sloppy life. We have taken perfection and thrown it out the window and said, I can't live it. And so I'm just going to do whatever I want. And then I'll come to church on Sunday and I'll receive the forgiveness of God. And you can but we have to live in a place, listen, where Joseph was at in Genesis chapter number 30. We have to live in a place where God said he added unto him. Added unto. What did he need? What do you need today? What do you need today? Do you need more patience? Do you need joy? Do you need strength? Do you see that the world is... is imploding all around us. It's not a fear message. This is a message to hopefully draw us closer to God because this past week I had to settle some things in my own heart. I had to settle some things in my own mind because life can sometimes really just get there and you just think, sometimes you just think God drop it in on the perimeter. The whole thing's a waste. You ever look at life and say that? How can God fix this? He can. How? With people like Joseph, with a steadfast spirit, people that are not complaining about everything, just walking out their life and their walk with God in a spirit of gentleness 
in a spirit of patience, in a spirit of joy, in a generation that is lacking all of those things. Can we stand to our feet today? Jesus. Let's bow our heads for just a few moments. And, and I want us to just focus just for a few moments upon our walk with God. I want us to just focus for just a few moments and realize something that we are a part of the Joseph generation. We are part of a, a, of a generation that God is looking to of steadfast people. That no matter what comes your way, you always, listen, you always maintain a spirit of integrity upon your life. You operate with great patience because you're going to need them. You operate in a spirit of joy because this world needs it. You exercise love to the unlovable because they need it. And when people are drifting all around you and people are wayward all around you, you've got to have a spirit of steadfastness. And it doesn't make no difference how or where you came up or you grew up with or you grew up underneath of. Listen, I'm telling you right now, Jacob was a trickster. Joseph didn't end up being a trickster. You don't have to be a product of your environment. You don't have to be. You choose to be. And so today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around just for a few moments, I want us to see the similarities of what was taking place. Chaos out of control. Genesis 30. And I want you to think about where we are in this generation today of how chaos is surrounding you. Storms of life are everywhere. You can't turn it on the news and it not just bring depression to your spirit. A spirit of heaviness tries to hit you all the time. You pick up the newspaper, it's heaviness. You look at that Facebook post, heaviness everywhere. It's all around you and you've got to, you've got to maintain a spirit of gentleness in this hour. And Joseph was a unique man and we've got to have some unique men and women in this final hour that decides no matter what comes your way, what difficulties in life you may come to, that God's going to bring you through that situation. Joseph said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. I wonder if there's somebody in this building today with every head bowed and every eye closed for just a few more minutes. You say, Pastor, I just need prayer today because I'm struggling with some stuff right now that I'm dealing with or I have dealt with in my life. You could be 70 or 80 years old right now and, and you're still struggling with something that you dealt with as a child. I remember my mother one day standing up in a testimony service and I thought my mother had the victory all the time. She had danced all over the church. You didn't get in the way of my mom or you'd get ran over. She'd dance all over that church. I can see her right now. But I remember her standing up in a testimony service one night saying, I've been carrying this heavy baggage for 24 years.
It's tried to erode away my spirit. It's tried to decay my very spirit. It's tried to rot out my spirit. It's tried to strip me of my joy and my peace. It's tried to strip me of everything that I have. It's tried to test me to the very core of who I am. And it was only because I was intentional to say, God, I know you brought me through this situation and I know that life isn't always good, but I realize that you are good. Maybe there's somebody in this room today you'd say, I, I've went through some really tough stuff and it's tried to it's tried to really shape my mind and shape my thought process of where I'm going and the future thereof. It's causing me to think a certain way about this generation. It's causing me to think a certain way about people. It's causing, and I don't want a root of bitterness to rise up inside. Is that you? Am I speaking to you? I seen a hand just a minute ago. I see that one. Anyone else? Pastor, I just need prayer today. I want to operate in gentleness.